Good morning and welcome to your favorite Friday morning podcast, Conversations with Buddy, brought to you by The Wreck, way more than a bowling alley. We give you the ability to connect each week with our guests because we believe people matter, you matter. We are grateful to all the listeners who take the time each week to hear the stories of our guests. Please help us grow the show by taking a moment right now and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and give us a review. Our purpose of this podcast is to impact the world one testimony at a time. I'm here with my good friend, Aaron Buekley. Welcome, Aaron. Welcome, buddy. Happy to be here, man. Happy to be here. Dude, it's awesome to have you here. I was just thinking, you and I, we met each other probably about a year and a half ago. I think it was longer than that. Two and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago. Seriously. I was a junior in school. Okay. And you've now graduated? Correct. You're in the real workforce Mm -hmm. and doing it. So the event that we met at, uh, your golf coach, Charlie, does a golf event in what, November? What, what What's that called? The, the No Frills Golf Tournament. The No Frills Golf. Sandy M Golf Course. That's right. Thank you, Charlie. Uh, anyway, uh, my group of guys got paired up with you as one of the Corbin golfers and dude, you have a golf game. <laughs> You're awesome. But we had a good time. And what what's cool about that is this group of guys, we started inviting you out to our golf events on Wednesdays and sometimes you would show up and so that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was a Dave Holman. A Dave Holman Willie. guy. Willie. Those guys are so fun. Yeah. Good 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 stuff, man. Well hey, let's just kind of dive in. I'm gonna do an introduction of who you are. Uh you and I know each other from golf mostly, but yeah. I've gotten to know you quite a bit. You work for Steve Husbeth a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh you work for Steve's brother Mike and your dad. Yeah. During college. And now we'll talk about where you're at now, but that'll come later in the show. Right. So hold, hold on, man. Okay. I'm holding in. Okay. So here's your story. You were born and raised in Southern Oregon, a little city, little town called Roseburg. Sounds like you're going there today to, to yep. celebrate Thanksgiving. Home, visit family. Yeah. Hang out for the weekend. Your your dad mom will be there. and Sure will. Yeah. Sure will. I just assume your dad lives, you guys, you guys live somewhere else, but. <laughs> yeah. But. I mean, my sister and her family, they're coming down. So it's the whole. Okay. The whole family's coming. Where's your sister live? South Salem. Oh, okay. Two kids. I'm an uncle. No kidding. It's the best. It's the best. What are you? You're 21. You're not even 22 yet. 22. When'd you turn 22? June. Okay. This past summer. Okay. I remember your 21st birthday, you were out golfing. So I was. That's what I remember. I was. Okay. I don't know if I was golfing this this birthday, but. Okay. You're 22. Time flies when you're having fun. No kidding. So you grew up in a devout Christian family, athlete through and through. Uh, basketball, and then it changed to golf in college. And you'll talk about that because there's a story there. You had to figure out faith uh, for my own moving away from home, uh, finding community, searching and found purpose to life outside of athletics. And then we're just going to expound on that. Uh, talk about mentorship and discipleship. Sound about right? Sounds about right. Okay. Let's dive in. Tell me uh, you grew up in the big city of Roseburg. Big city of Roseburg. What was that like? Because, I mean, how many people live in Roseburg? Like 500? Uh, it's, it's set now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's since grown. It's probably about 30,000 now. But it was, Is Roseburg that big? No. 30,000, that's a generous population size. Yeah. As far as Roseburg itself, it's very concentrated. Um, but there's a lot of neighboring suburbs and communities where it's a lot of, it's an old timber country, yeah. timber county. Yeah. Um, the whole spotted owl thing back in the sixties oh. really, really killed us. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, 
That's where the majority, Johnny Cash even wrote a song about Roseburg. He did. Lumberjack. Look it up. Look okay. It up, Johnny guys. Cash, Lumberjack. I did not know that. Yeah. I learned it back in high school. I was like, no way. Um, Roseburg. I loved it. Um, there's not much to do there. Yeah. You kind of, you go on drives, you go up to the Callahans, it's a little mountain range. Yeah. Or you play sports. Did you ever fish the, what, what, where, what's that river? Umqua. They, yeah. uh, when steelhead run, that's the best yeah. place to be. Fish on. Mm -hmm. Do you still go back there and go fishing? I don't as much. I went a few times as a kid, but yeah. there's a lot of people. Yeah. It's a, it's a world renowned spot, man. Okay. Everyone, I've talked to some guys in Victoria, BC, you know, Canadian guys. I tell them I'm from Southern Oregon. They're like, North Umpqua, man. North Umpqua. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fish on. Awesome. What was like uh, life like growing up in a small community like that? What was your parents like? How did that really make you who you are today? I would say, so I was in a private Christian school through all my schooling. All right. Um, first grade through senior year. Yeah. And so I was sort of, I had my own community in my own class, and I really really didn't get a feel outside of that, which my parents did a really good job of not sheltering me because I grew up playing competitive sports. Mm -hmm. I was on travel teams when I was 9, 10, 11, 12. No kidding. So, yeah. Purely basketball? Baseball, actually. Ba baseball. Uh, I know. Okay. Um, I did not know that about you. Yeah. Uh, back in my day. Okay. But, uh, yeah, private Christian school. My, there was 19 kids in my graduating class. Dude, so I'm, I love I'm that. talking small. 1A, yeah. 1A, 2A school. So now are you still close to those people that you graduated with? Three or four say? of them. Yeah. Um, we kind of just dispersed naturally after high school. Um, but growing up in that private school community is something that I definitely took for granted. And looking back, I'm so thankful for. Because especially growing up and then getting into high school, I, I got more competitive and I started – progressing in athletics and I'm like, okay, I want to get some exposure. I want to go play at some schools. I had like that taste of, okay, I could maybe make something out of sports. Yeah. And Roseburg High School, a big 6A school there. Yeah. Used to beg my parents, please let me transfer. Please let me transfer. Like I want to go to a public school. And looking back, I'm so happy I didn't. Not because of, yeah, public school is a little weird, but I'm just so extra thankful that I got to be in that environment, and I wouldn't change anything about my past. Yeah. Especially because I've been so fortunate and blessed to yeah. take the road I did going to Corbin, but that's going to come later. Sounds like your your parents, while they put you in a private Christian school, they didn't shelter you and keep you from the world, which is kind of where the ministry's at. It's, right. it's, it's out there, not... A lot of kids grow up in that private Christian school, and we had to go through the same thing with raising two daughters. Do we put them in private school or public school? We prayed about it, and... Probably, you know, we put our kids in public school, which I may or may not do today, right. but this was, you know, 15 right. years ago. We did, and it really caused us to be praying parents. Seriously. And uh, they survived. They survived. But uh, it's it's a rough time now, so. I know. So I, I have two younger brothers, Evan and Joe, and then an older sister, Danny, who lives South Salem. Yeah. Um, we all went to... Umqua Valley Christian School. That was a school, the high yeah. school I went to. Mm. So family, family went through it. Um, yeah, my family played an instrumental part in just my development. Yeah. Um, grew up in the church, like I said, yeah. what we've talked about. Um, yeah, the, the unique thing about my church, Covenant Life Fellowship, and then Umqua Valley Christian School is that 
most of the people that go to my church go to Umpqua Valley Christian School, their staff, their coaches. Hmm. It's very well connected. Yeah. And sometimes it's a little interesting seeing the dynamic of, oh, you go to Covenant Light Fellowship, but you're not going to UBC. So it's a little, it's that intertwined. Okay. Um, which being in high school, I could go to church on a Sunday and see all of my coaches from all of my sporting programs, basketball, soccer, right. baseball. Sounds like it raised the accountability for you. Really? So, definitely. And you can't get in trouble in Roseburg because everybody would know. Everybody knows everybody. <laughs> everybody. Man. Yeah. No kidding. So you weren't a, a kid that got in trouble. Ooh, I don't know about that. Do we need to talk about <laughs> that? What? Yeah, I was I was a little punk in high school. Okay. Yeah, my uh I I actually frosted my frosted tips sophomore year of high school. I gotta see that, man. Oh, it's it's worth seeing. I'll tell you okay. that. Okay. But uh yeah, I went through of course every high school kid goes through a little rebellious phase. Totally. But sophomore through junior year, not so much senior year. I kind of a little straightened it out, but I was arrogant, dude. Okay. Did your dad uh, have any influence, or your mom, both, but and how they figured that out and kind of helped correct you, or did they kind of just kind of let you go about your way and figure it out on your own? Oh, absolutely. I was I was held very accountable um, from just the home life to what observations of me playing by playing on the court. Okay, dude, you didn't really need to do this, but it, it was, uh, it was intentional. Yeah. You know, it's not like they were doing it for themselves. They did it for my best interest, which is something I didn't understand at the time. I was like, dude, get off my back. Like, I don't, well, I'm a high school student. And I'm being told, okay, maybe you don't, this isn't about you. I didn't really understand that. Yeah. Which I do now, but yeah, very, I was very arrogant. I s still struggle with pride. That's mm. one of my biggest pitfalls. I think um, pride, man. It is. It gets you. But I went through, like everyone in my small school community knew it too. Um, except you. Except me, of course. <laughs> Whatever. I'm the most humble guy I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm really humble. You get you totally. get the taste of 1A athletics. You think you're top dog, and it just sort of goes to your head. Um, actually, eventually, my soft junior year, junior summer, it got pretty bad, and my pastor of my church was also my head baseball coach mm -hmm. and we met during the summer and went through a book called humility rather fitting that is um, a great i don't know about that book but i'm gonna have to yeah pick that I'll, one. Uh, i need to find a better title find who it's written by but it was it changed my trajectory mm. especially going into college too but so thankful for that yeah well so as you navigate high school I know you as a golfer, but right. before that, I thought you were a basketball player because you went. To, you were going to go to Corbin and play basketball. But take me back to baseball. How you got to Corbin to play basketball, and then the transition and why golf? Sure. So, um, I mean, I played. I played three sports in high school. I played soccer, basketball, baseball. We were notoriously a baseball school. We'd won state championships for one A, two A. 2002, 2009, we were in the state semifinals, 2010. We actually made, we won the state championship my senior year in baseball. Yeah, heck yeah, go Monarchs, baby. Come on. Um, played at Kaiser, Kaiser Volcanoes. Wow, I know. that's big time. It was big time. I thought it was so cool. Um, but yeah, I grew up always involved in athletics. Like I didn't know what to do if I wasn't playing a sport in a season. Like even the, the the two weeks between soccer and basketball season or basketball and baseball, I was like, what do I do with my time, man? Um, and for sure, my identity was in sports. 
Like yeah. I didn't know what else yeah. to put it in. Um, yeah. And it was that small of a school where everybody plays everything. And um, gosh, it was so fun. Yeah. Okay. So the whole idea of why, why can we, you, you, you went to uh, Corbin to play basketball. Why not baseball at Oregon State or something like that? I'm just, I, I wasn't, I didn't, so I was a pitcher. I played, I pitched and played center field and I wasn't, I didn't throw that hard off the mound. I probably threw low 80s. Okay. Maybe touched 85 one time in my life. Okay. I was feeling extra good. Okay. Um, but I had a few conversations with some JUCOs, but I didn't really, I didn't really see myself enjoying baseball long term. I think I loved it because I loved my team and I loved my coaching staff. Got it. Um, that being said, sort of what what turned the tables on my high school sports trajectory was our, my junior year, our baseball team, we were ranked for, fourth in the state, um, supposed to make a championship run. And I was on the mound for the first round of our state tournament we hosted against yeah. the Oakland Oakers. Okay. Southern Oregon. We beat them three times in the regular season. And gosh, I don't know if this was the biggest humility check from God, because um, it certainly felt like it. But we are we take the field it's a probably a may a may game right before the end of school and i'm on the mound and i forget how to field a bunt coverage dude i overthrow first base three times on a bunt coverage and we lose the game 5 to 3 i think and it was it was terrible i i didn't know what to do I, my identity was crushed and it was that bad of course, I took all the blame. Like, oh, it's my fault. It's my fault. I almost didn't play baseball the next year because I wanted to focus on basketball. I just used it as my escape to not want to confront everything that happened. Because, come on, I felt like the team was on my back and I lost it. And, I mean, I can joke about it now and I can yeah. talk about it all I want. Yeah. And, in fact, I was back home in Roseburg. Just uh, I watched a baseball game for my old high school last year. Okay. Went out to dinner with the coaches afterwards, and we were talking about it. I'm like, dude, I can't escape it. I can't escape it. But, uh, yeah, I, I remember because my youngest, my younger brother, Evan, was on a team. He was a freshman. Yeah. I remember him crying because really? we lost again. I'm like, dude, that crushed me. Wow. I know. Interesting, that humility piece. And, and, there, and there's things that happen, you know, in our past could be high school in your case. And right. it just haunts you like, like, but the, really the whole goal is there is that you remain humble. Right. God uses that as a tool to just keep us humble. Man. I know. So, okay. So then you, what, what made you pick Corbin to go play basketball? So my sister played four years of soccer there. Okay. She was a team captain, graduated in 2015, I yeah. think. She's tough. Tough. She is, she's super good. Very with three, with three younger brothers, man. Are you kidding me? I know. Smack you guys around. I know. <laughs> I always thought I was the oldest sibling because she was off at school while I was kind of growing up with my two younger brothers. So I, I considered myself top dog back then. Top dog. Just because she was away. When the cat's away, the mice will play. That's what it felt like. Um, but yeah, I used to grow up going to Corbin every weekend to watch her play soccer games. And going, transitioning into college and looking for schools to go to. I wanted to play basketball somewhere, and I was playing on a travel basketball team, um, and I started to get some exposure from colleges, and I went to a few Corbin camps, and I was talking with our coach, and I was 
patiently waiting for an offer from them. And once I received it, I'm like, it's perfect. It's, it's where I want to be. Um, and I was so blessed to see that come to fruition because, I mean, it was always my dream school in the back of my head, although I want maybe go, maybe go to school in Arizona, maybe mm-hmm. Pepperdine or some Cal Poly school somewhere down with it when it's sunny That's right. nine months out of the year, not yeah. raining. Yeah. But, uh, no, I don't regret going to Corbin at all. It's one of my best decisions I've made in my life. Yeah. So then you were, you, you were going to play basketball. Yeah. And I then, came, came to play basketball. I played, uh, two years. Um, oh, you did play two years. Yeah. Played two years. Got it. Between my sophomore and junior year, yeah. I was playing in an open gym down in Roseburg at the YMCA. Okay. Just trying to get some reps in, you know? Um, and I hurt my ankle on a fast break, landed on a kid's foot, tore every tendon and ligament in my right ankle besides my Achilles. You should have seen this thing. My foot was looked like a softball was in it. Wow. I'll show you the picture after this. It was okay. nasty. Um, that was a setback. And I had pretty much gone my entire sports career without having a major injury like that. So it was an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. I couldn't walk for months. And but I could I could stand and I could swing a golf club. Interesting. Had you ever played golf at this? Never. Time? Never played in high school. Never. Um so on the on the route of just the injury side, fast forward through playing golf, getting to play a little bit in the summer, um, start picking it up. I peg myself as a natural athlete. I can kind of get the swing of things and how my body works and whatnot. Um, but on the the ankle side of things, I chose not to get surgery and chose the route of, okay, we're going to go PT for six months. We'll see where things shake out. Maybe we get surgery after that. Maybe not. Went six months of PT. Ankle was just stiff as a board. Wish I would have gotten surgery. It was already too far past. Mm. Healed kind of wrong. So I'm like, I, I don't think I should pursue basketball anymore. I remember I was driving home from Salem to Roseburg and I was thinking, life is so much more than just these next two years hmm. of basketball, maybe. Like, I want to be able to run around with my kids sometime. Yeah. Like, I don't want to jeopardize my body. And it's not something to live in fear. Yeah. But perspective. Um, on the, the topic of golf. Yeah. Best decision or best thing that's ever happened to me, and I couldn't see it. I wish I would have played golf so much sooner. Yeah. Like I'd play golf with my brothers and my dad and every Father's Day for the past four years prior to that. Um, but playing golf and getting the opportunity to play at Corbin was yeah. so, it was a cheat code. I always tell people, if you can, play college golf. You get to travel, play free golf, be outside, be in God's nature. Come on, man. Come on. What, what else do you want? Yeah. Yeah. And have a coach like Charlie. Charlie Marshall. He is the man. He is the man. I'll, I'll name, I'll name drop him right now. Yep. <clears throat> Love that yeah. guy. Well, he yeah. thinks a lot of you too, by the way. I had golf with him a week or two ago and yeah, he just can't say enough good things about you. Good. So, you know, God's, God's doing a work and I love that yeah. he's working in your life and I want to hear more of what he's doing. Walk us through kind of your journey right now. You're done with college. Uh, what are you doing for work? Also want to hear about your dad's podcast. Right. Because you've worked with your dad a little bit. I have. I think that's really cool, by the way. Um, you know, your dad's had a huge influence in your life. Yeah. But yeah, just walk us through your journey of life right now and some of those decisions about how's faith working in this, where do you go to church, stuff like that. Right. Um, I work for a company called Alliance Communications. 
We are in the, the wireless and telecommunications industry. So we are distribution. We sell thing we sell equipment that goes on cell towers, cell towers themselves. Everything that's making us be able to talk right now and building communication systems. I get to work with a lot of public safety officials. So that's first responders to people that own the buildings. Um, right now we're working in a project in Seattle where they're taking the first responder frequency, which is 700, 800 megahertz, and making that the frequency for Seattle. Um, so it's kind of cool in the back of my mind knowing that, okay, I am kind of making a difference here. Yeah. Like I'm working with people that help save lives. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. That's the silver lining. My dad has been in the industry. I've grown up around it my entire life. So it was one thing. Because I always knew that he was going to be in it forever because he can't keep his paws out of it. He loves he it. He loves it. He loves it. Um, he he and my grandpa built all the first cell towers on the West Coast. Really? Right. Yeah, back in the 80s and 90s, back in the 90s. Um, so, yeah, we have rich family history in the telecom industry. Does your dad own his own company or does he work for a company? He now has a consulting practice, which Mike Hudspeth works with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, Not my guy. Yeah. But uh, for the for the longest time, he was in the telecom space. Now he's kind of taking a step back, does mergers, acquisitions, more of like a consulting services. Okay. Some coaching as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I work for Alliance Communications. My territory is the Pacific Northwest. I'm in sales. I was going to say, are you in sales yes. or in operations? I'm or? in sales, uh, sales slash business development. Yeah. It's a new market for us over here in the West Coast. Yeah. So I was the first hire up here in the PNW. That's kind of cool. I love it. Dude. I love it. And I've got about 15 years on everybody else in the company, which yeah, is cool. Yeah, you grew up with it. Your dad was teaching the whole yeah. way. So what's your degree in then? Degree is in business, leadership, and marketing from Corbin University. What a cool thing. Yeah. Which, I, don't, I don't think I've ever heard of business leadership and marketing. That's a really cool thing because that's I hear business management and marketing. Leadership is a big key. I mean, this is. is awesome. And am I going to use it right now? I don't know, but it's going to be helpful with eventually what I want to do is maybe chase the corporate ladder a little bit eventually. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Um, but in college, I worked, did some marketing stuff for Steve Hudspeth. Yeah. He's a local insurance That's agency. Steve guy, owner. man. I, know. I love that guy. He's a shady dude. I love him. <laughs> yeah. I want to get him out on the golf course more though. Um, and then was, Mike Hudspeth too. Yeah. Um, both good, of those guys. Good guys. Yeah. And right now I do a discipleship group with Mike's kid, Aaron, and then some of Aaron's high school buddies over Zoom. I don't that know is, if you knew this. I did not know that. Tell me more. So we started it last year. Um, we went through Growing Up by Robbie Gallaty. Yeah. It's a discipleship group, pretty structured on, okay, we're going to have four to five people. Um, and the whole premise of the book is you disciple this four to five people. Mm -hmm. um, and then those four to five people start their own discipleship group called a D group. And it's sort of the exponential growth of, okay, we're going to keep spreading the message with your different circles, your different friend groups. But for the sake of their high school students, yeah. we started going through the screw tape letters I love that. back yes, in October. Yeah. And it's been awesome. It's been so cool. And I got to actually go visit them this past summer. And it was cool putting a, a Zoom a Zoom face to an in-person face and just hanging around those guys is so cool. Crazy. Yeah. C.S. Lewis is awesome. He is. My dearest Wormwood. I know. It's a great book. I know. Dude, I love that. So that's leadership. I mean, you are leading. You're a leader whether you know it or not. Right. What are you, you know, are you actually taking uh, 
taking it seriously, and it sounds like you really are. Yeah. Why Why do you think you got into discipleship? What's that about? Is that something God's really brought you into? Is it something you're passionate about? Passionate about? Yes. I would also attribute it to my dad um, for the longest time. He actually went through a discipleship book, same one growing up by Robbie Gallaty with me and my brothers when he we did. were in high school. Okay. Um, and he, he actually knows Robbie through a Iron Sharpens Iron group, um, which is super cool. But it's the intentional leadership and fathership from my dad that sort of projected me on this path of, and it also comes with being from a small school. Like there, there's not going to be many leaders in that school, but I sort of kind of felt a natural drawing to, okay, someone's got to take charge here. And I, I would peg myself as a natural leader. I think it's something I've been blessed by. I don't take it for granted whatsoever. Yeah. But definitely the intentional piece for my father of just ushering ushering growth. Yeah. It's it's so cool. How long have your mom and dad been married? Oh my goodness. T- testing, testing, mm, testing. 20, 30, 30 years. It's incredible, dude. The 31, 31, 32. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Sorry, Mom. Yeah. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that that's a testament to where you're at, Aaron. Right. Yeah, we all rebel in high school. We all have moments where we're, we sin, right? But, it all it, it, you know, as you were taught the word as an early, as a younger uh, kid, yeah. you know, the word doesn't go out and then come back void. It actually gets planted and it grows. And I can see the seed being grown in your life and- your dad's a huge influence and remembering when you get married and have kids just passing that same thing along. It's really awesome. So good job Thank on you. the discipleship. So you have four or five young guys in your group. Mm-hmm. Um, these are all kids that go to school with Aaron. Yeah. They okay. All go to so you never really knew them. How did you connect with, cause they live in Spokane. Spokane. Um, it was something that happened pretty organically through Mike Hudspeth. Yeah. When I was working with for my dad with Mike at yeah. Cathedral Consulting. Um Mike was saying that him and his him and his kid and his kid's friends, they were sort of tired of the of the the youth group atmosphere. They didn't really feel like they were getting a personal touch with it. Um and he asked me one day, he's like, hey, he calls me A B, that's my nickname because yeah, we yeah. had another guy, A-B. Aaron, in our company. Okay. A B. So A B, I want to run this by you. Um I'm curious if you're interested in leading discipleship group with my boy and then his friends and i would i had never done something like this before especially because i mean i thought i was figuring out my faith for my own too yeah you are and i am i still am forever um but it's been remarkable because you kind of feel a little bit of pressure not pressure but accountability extra accountability knowing that okay i've been asked and i've been in charge of ushering discipleship to these group of kids yeah. like that. That is super cool. Um, and Mike, Mike's been involved too. We actually have a group coming up the 27th with Reed Saunders is going to come on. Come on, Reed. Do, uh, I know Reed Saunders is going to come on and walk us through um, some messages he has all for Jesus. Baby. All for Jesus. I love that dude. And so I'm excited. Yeah. That's really cool, man. Dude, you're, you're doing it. And I like that, you know, Nobody shows up qualified. Of course not. But God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called, and he's doing that in your life right now. As a young guy, 
And I always tell people the story. I, I grew up in church a little bit. You know, I was going to church, but I wasn't paying attention. So I was, I didn't know one Bible verse until I was 28. Wow. Not one. John three sixteen didn't know it. What would you say is one of your top five verses that you go to often? Probably Hebrews thirteen six, which is for we can confidently say the Lord is my helper and will not fear for what can man do to me. Amen. Come on, man. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, how do you how do you read your Bible? Is it uh, how how involved are you reading scripture right so now? So right now, I've been going through you know the Proverbs a day. Yep. Um, Proverbs a day, and then I've been going through Paul's letters in the New Testament, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. I'm in Ephesians right now, Hmm. and so fitting, read Ephesians 2 this morning, Christ's example of humility, hit me home. Come on. I know. I was like, what are we doing here? So that's been my go-to these past few weeks. Um, There's there's reading plans out there that I've ascribed to, but yeah. I do the Bible app, and uh, you can read through the Bible in a year. Uh, this next year, which is interesting, I'm going to try to read through the Old Testament and the New Testament at the same time, do it in six months, and see where I go. I, I know I can do it. It's got to commit. So maybe you can hold me accountable to. I would love that. Um, committing to that. That's really what I want to do. I've toyed around that idea in my mind of yeah. reading the Bible start to finish. I didn't think about Old Testament, New Testament at the same time. Yeah, because a lot of times, you know, you start out in Genesis and then you end up in Revelation. Yeah. And then you forget what happened in well, Deuteronomy. Uh, exactly. De- <laughs> Deuteronomy. Uh, uh, one, one of the guys I had on my podcast, uh, his name's Tim Fondrick. Yeah. Um, I think he was challenged, don't quote me on this exactly, but to read through the Bible in like two or three months. That's a whole, I mean, that's a different level of thinking. And not just to check the box, but really be intentional because you use the word intentional as being intentional about time of the word, like giving God all that he deserves, right? which we don't do. Right. I mean, I know that I don't, but really, so so walk me through real, real quick, because you mentioned you were in the word already. And by the way, we're celebrating Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving week. We are. Uh, 2023. Uh, we got the, the beavers and ducks playing. And, Civil uh, War on the Apple Cup, baby. Come on, come Pacific on. Pacific Northwest rivalry. I love it. It's going to be fun. Um Tell me about your morning routine. Like, what does that look like for you as a young guy? You're you're 22. I didn't know morning routine until like five years ago. Like, <laughs> is that a thing? It is a thing. And do you have one? And what does it look like? So I do. Um, it can get pretty skewed sometimes because okay. the company I work for is based on the East Coast. So sometimes I'm waking up at 5 a.m. for a call, dude. It's brutal. Um, but my morning routine... Aside from the time change, wake up around five or so, go to the gym at 5.15 with my roommate and buddy, Stephen Parmenter. Um, we go to the gym, physique and Kaiser, come back, make some breakfast, sort of get our mind right. And during the summer, we'd, we'd read our Bible out on the deck. Yeah. It was uh, watch the sunrise. It was so, awesome. So he's a brother as well. He is. He's a brother. Man, that's so cool. What I've known since I was a junior in high school. Yeah. He went to Corbin with me as well. Um, Too cool. Super cool. Uh, morning routine, read the Bible, sort of, I've been doing the cold shower thing. Yeah. I've listened to Aaron Qualls, is that his name? Yeah. The 75 hard. Yep. Cold shower. Come it's on. brutal. It is. It's brutal. I'd rather do a cold plunge than a cold shower. Cold plunging is way easier than a cold shower. Cold shower is like painful. It is. Yeah. It is Do painful. Do the cold plunge. I wish. I want to. Um, 
get my mind right. My dad always taught me that you need to be in your Bible before you start any work-related things mm, yeah. because you're just going to keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Yeah. Even yesterday I woke up and I was in Roseburg yesterday. Oh, you were? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I go in the living room and my dad's leading by example. He's got his Bible pulled up before anything else in the day. So that's cool. That's cool. I get to have that. Um, read the Bible, take a shower, eat some breakfast, get my mind right, start the work day. Mm. It's uh, the morning, set the tone for the day. Amen. Yeah. You got, you got, the, as a, such a young guy, man, I was nowhere near where you were at, at 22. But I'm really encouraged by that. I mean, because it is, it, the morning routine sets the tone for the day. If you get the morning routine down and that foundational piece, giving God the first fruits of your day, how much better your days are. Your day's not perfect, I'm pretty sure. No. But you can handle those obstacles and challenges and trials that you're going to face. You're going to face them. And especially reading through Screwtape Letters, it's the most convicting book I've read in my entire life. Because you'll read a chapter, my dear Wormwood, have you tried this with a patient? And then I'm like, gosh, that happened to me yesterday. Like, what Come, what are we doing? Um, Man, oh man. It's a phenomenal book, man. It is. I've read it a couple of times. I just, wow. Mere Christianity. That's yeah. my favorite C.S. Lewis book. Okay. Two chapters in, my head was spinning. I was like, what in the world? I know. Dude, you're heavy into it, man. I really, I'm encouraged, dude. Um, tell me about your dad's podcast and right. what, what's the, the goal, the intention of what he does as a coach, a mentor, a consultant. Right. It's called the Business Done Right Podcast. Okay. Um, I'm going to check it out. You should. Uh, I've done a little bit of editing for him too yeah. back a few years ago. Um, but the premise of it is you take like-minded entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs with momentum, that's his coin phrase, and you have real conversations about the business and just what brought you into business, how are you conducting your life inside and outside of it, where does gratitude play? He wrote a book called Ambition, Leading with Gratitude, my dad. Come on. And so that's sort of I've his. got like six books that I have to read. You do. Okay. Screw tape letters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, um, Business Done Right podcast. He's hosted some pretty cool guests. Yeah. How long has he been doing it? Oh, gosh. I think since 2016 off and on. Okay. Maybe 2018. Okay. But he's at 70-something episodes. He hasn't done some in a while. Yeah. Mike Hudspeth has been on. Have I introduced you to my dad yet? Uh, you have not, and you must, because shall. literally, I want to meet your dad. Cool. I, I'm, I'm, I think it's cool to see guys like right. him who have walked the walk, who live what he teaches and preaches. And he's that guy, I'm pretty sure. And I know you do a lot of coaching and mentoring, and that's something that I think is, it's a must. Yeah, especially for me as a young guy, I was blessed with a mentor growing up through high school that I did not take full advantage of still to this day. I remember I, oh gosh, this is a funny story. I was, uh, I during my soccer season, I think my, my sophomore or sophomore year, we would do these Bible devotions in the morning at a little coffee cup, a coffee shop before, before school at 6 a.m. And we went through a book called The Three Kings. It talks about King David, yeah. King Solomon. I know the book um, to read. Yeah, yeah, you do. Come oh on. my gosh. And I was a sophomore, had an ego. That was through my, my blonde hair phase. And I remember 
we'd show up in the mornings. It was with the team captains, the leaders on the team, three or four of us. And we'd go through this book and our coach would say, okay, what'd you get from this book? And I was pretty disengaged early in the morning, didn't really want to be there. Would just say my two cents, put my hood on, lean against the uh, total disengaged. And I didn't really think anything of it. And I remember some things happened later in the soccer season where I was being a punk. I wasn't treating the, the younger classmen appropriately. And I remember my coach had to sit down with me. He's like, dude, you are squandering your leadership. You show up, you think you have it all together. You go off of what you know, your Christianese, you speak your Christianese, and then you disengage. Like that is going to burn you out in the long run. You will not sustain doing that. And I recall that probably every few weeks. I think that going through the motions is something that happens way too easy to us, especially me. Yeah. And then all it takes is some minor inconvenience to knock your socks off. God, what was I doing here? Putting our identity in something besides God. Right. Yeah. We all have an identity crisis at times and exactly what we need. Yeah. So. And, and I'm nowhere near perfect. Everybody you know will tell you that. Um, actually, what's the quote that's been resonating in my head? Yeah. I was actually in Knoxville this past weekend hanging out with family. And one of my cousin's friends said he had a conversation with his dad. And they're talking about people going to heaven and what's the state of state of the world and what's what's people's acceptance of Jesus like and what are they looking for um the quote goes something like most people want to go to heaven they just don't really care if god's there or not whoa okay. yeah okay and i mean i woke up this morning thinking about that like how many times do you meet people yeah i'm a good person i'm this i'm that I do my morning routine. Yeah. I'm in the word. Do I have a relationship with God though? Or is it just a checklist? I know. I'm convicted by that too. Cause I think as a guy, we love checklists. Okay. Check the box. Feels good for a moment. Get my, my dopamine. Get, get my dopamine. Yeah. But God, the creator who created you and me and everyone else is like, Hey, here I am. I'd love to have a relationship with you. And I don't think we always recognize that God wants a relationship with us, you know, being a perfect God who he is, yet he does. I don't recognize it all the time. I always think that it's, it's my, it's my doing that brought me to God or like I met God halfway. No, dude, God stooped down to, yeah. to save you. Yeah. Like don't get it twisted. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Aaron, this is fantastic, man. This has been great just to hang out. Yeah. Um, talk and have conversation. I'm pretty sure you and I will be, have another one of these episodes where, you know, down the road when, you know, six months or a year, just see where life's taking you. Because right. I think, I think you know, we need to see young guys like you encourage this younger crowd of millennials and Gen Zers to follow Jesus. I mean, he is the answer. There is no substitute. You can try, but there's no joy and there's no salvation found in anybody else but Christ. Right. So any last thoughts, comments uh, that you want to share? And then also tell me, it's, is it ducks or beavers that's going to win? You know, <laughs> it's got to it's gotta be the ducks. We were talking about this before the yes, podcast. We were, yeah. I'm not, a lot of people think I'm an Oregon Ducks fan. Oh, dude, I thought you were a Beavers fan growing up. I'm an Oregon team fan. Yeah. 
if there's any chance that an Oregon team has to do some damage on the national level, I'm all for it. The Beavers winning the World Series, so cool. Done. The Ducks, hopefully if they win this weekend, they win out against Washington, the Pac-12 championship. I think they've got a good chance of making that a top four spot. I can only hope. That'd be amazing. It would be so cool. Are you hoping, uh, so you mentioned the Apple Cup, uh, you hope the Huskies lose? Of course. <laughs> just, uh, of just course. checking. Yeah, of Just course. checking. I don't want them to win. I, don't, yeah, I want yeah. their chances as low as possible. As low as possible, man. But so. uh, yeah, closing thoughts. Um, I remember, I was even talking about this two days ago, just on the topic of gratitude. Mm. Um, and I, of course, an attitude of gratitude, we all know it. We all know that we should be doing it. Uh, my brother-in-law was actually telling me a story. He said that in, in college they did a study where they had a psychology class. And the, the, the premise of it was students had to take, write three things they're grateful for every night before they go into bed. And it's not like, I'm thankful for the sky because it's pretty thankful for the sunset. I'm thankful for the sunset because it was orange and pink. And orange and pink reminded me of a memory from home where I got to spend with my grandpa and we did this and that. has to be that genuine and that intimate. And after the 16-week study, they found that doing the gratitude check every night, the three things you're grateful for, was equivalent to or better than taking antidepressants, which is wild. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Do you agree with that? I would agree with it hmm. because I don't, I don't do this every night, but we're in the spirit of Thanksgiving, the time of Thanksgiving, we say what we're thankful for. Hmm. Um, and that reflection to take yourself outside of your own skin and be like, okay, what has happened around me? Where's God working? He's working here. I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now. And the perspective change is something that, I think I should do more often. I think you should do more often. I think everybody should do mm -hmm. it. But it's the practicality of, okay, I have to force myself to get into it. Because often it's not pretty. You have to look at yourself and be like, okay, I don't really like this about me, but I'm thankful that it happened. Yeah. That's deep. And your your dad's book, uh, speaking of gratitude, right? I'm going to get that book. And speaking of Dave Holman too, because you golf with him every yeah. once in a while. You know, Dave, just a quick story, if you haven't listened to his podcast, you know, he grew up in a pretty tough home. You can listen to the podcast for yourself. But one of the things he learned, you know, 10 or 15, 20 years ago was to do a gratitude list. Every night before he goes to bed, he would write it and then he'd look at it in the morning, but then he began to email himself. So the very first email he would see in the morning was what he was grateful for. Wow. And so the verse of the day, to, which is interesting today, was, First uh, Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, and then give thanks in all things, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Gratitude. Give thanks in all things. How many? All. That is what I love about Paul's letters. It's often, yeah, they're reprimands. They can be rebukes, but yeah. he's instructing churches. Guys, you have so much to be thankful for. Do hey. it. And he keeps reminding us too. Do, it's just, do the dang thing. I come know. on. Yeah. I know. Reminding, reminding, reminding. That's so. so cool. I didn't know that about Dave. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, brother, happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, I'm still rooting for the Beavers. Ducks, you know, of course we wanted to see them go on and win the, the Pac-12 championship, be top four in the country. You know, that's going to be pretty awesome. Last thing. Yeah. What are you thankful for? Ooh. 
putting thankful. You, putting you on the spot. Yeah. I'm really thankful for really opportunities like this here, even to, to hear your story, because I'm curious. I'm always curious about how God's working in your life. And I want to show up every day and the God gives me opportunity to show up for my wife, because that's my number one ministry, is to love her unconditionally without expectation. Honey, I'm trying <laughs> uh, to love my daughters and show them what a man, a Christian man should be about. But then seeing this younger generation like you, I was nowhere near where you were at. And that doesn't mean you've arrived by any means. For, for real. But seeing where you're at as a young man, influencing high schoolers and making an impact. So that's kind of what I'm grateful for is that God gives me opportunity. I just salivate the opportunities that God gives me specifically to meet with men. Right. So that's where I'm at. Awesome. That's sweet. Well, brother, thanks for being here. Again, we're going to do this again. Have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the big city of Roseburg. and uh, The metropolis <laughs> of Roseburg, Oregon. Big metropolis. And, uh, well, we'll catch up again probably real soon. Uh, if not, toward the end of this year, as soon as the warm weather comes back out again, I'll be ready to golf again. Let's do it. So, Can't wait. Thanks, Brian. Have a great weekend. Thanks for being on the show this week. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you all for taking the time each week to be encouraged, challenged, and loved. Remember what Jesus said? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. My hope and prayer is that you believe the words of Jesus. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much.